Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland with Jessica Meterson. We formed the Legal Geeks. And no, I did not have an accident in the kitchen, nor while driving, nor fishing, or any other boating accident. We are here to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because like the rest of the geek world, we are up in arms and wanting to hug each other because this was absolutely awesome and we hope it continues. Jess, how you doing? Josh, I am good. I gotta say I love the eye patch. It gives you a very commanding aura. I feel like, you know, you're at some command center somewhere and talking to uh Yes, well, Colonel Fury, not Sergeant Fury, as I want to call him, but Colonel Fury. Um, the two of you talking about, like, eye patches, and, yeah, the ladies loving them. Aside from that and your eye patch, i got to say I am very excited about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., really more so because it's a Joss Whedon creation than the Marvel side. I mean, I do like comic books, although I've never known that much about the Avengers. Um, clearly, I didn't know that much about S.H.I.E.L.D. before uh, before I saw the Avengers movie or any of that. But I love Joss Whedon. I love anything Joss Whedon does, except that one horror movie that I still can't watch. Um, and so I was very excited to see that he was bringing a show back to prime time. So that was the main source of my excitement, is that this is a Joss Whedon baby. I was excited he was in charge because that was a gold seal that it would be good. True. And so he seems to be running the Marvel Kingdom right now on screen. God bless him. I read an article that they flew him into Thor 2 to shoot a few scenes that the director was having problems with. Wow. Yeah, so he did a little rewrite on a couple things, shot it, and then flew out. So, you know, <laughs> talk about having superpowers himself. That's like, you rock on. That is, that is awesome. Well, what's so neat, and he and J.J. Abrams are both prime examples of this, where they were, you know, small screen TV um, showrunners that people adored. I mean, J.J. Abrams with, well, I loved Alias, and then I loved Lost until the end. Um, you know, obviously Joss Whedon with my first true love, you know, Buffy, and then Angel and Firefly and Dollhouse. But then they take over, I mean, these key Hollywood franchises. I mean, you know, the Marvel Universe, um, obviously he hasn't done everything there, but like you said, he is in charge of it now. And J.J. was first Star Trek and now Star Wars. Um, but it is neat that Joss is coming back to TV. Now, the one thing I don't know about and that I haven't really read anything on is how involved he plans to be going forward. Obviously, he was very heavily involved with the pilot. Um, I don't know if this is like J.J. Abrams with Lost, where he kind of starts it, and then he pretty much leaves it to Carlton and Damon. Um, so, you know, is Joss going to stay involved, or is he now back to movies? That's my question, I guess. My one concern is that, you know, is this going to maybe kind of not stay as awesome if he basically is no longer involved going forward. I don't know because you have his brother and his sister-in-law on it as well. And so, they, and they are very good. They are very talented. So that gives me hope that they'll continue. Plus there are a lot of other geeks out there who are good writers. And as long as they recognize talent and they're bringing the right people in, they can continue. So I, I have hope. And I agree. I mean, I think, like, when he left Buffy for, what was it, season six, 
Um, and he left Marty, Marty Knoxon, who would, had been a writer, and then she was co-executive producer with him, and then she was a showrunner when he left. Um, you know, and everyone said, well, that was a very dark season. And it was, but I thought it was an appropriate season. So I think in that case, it worked out. But he's been working with them for a long time. I mean, they've grown up together. You know, again, I haven't looked at the cast of writers. Presumably, he's brought in some of the writers that he's used on other shows. So that helps that they do have that. You know, it is kind of the Joss brand. I mean, you like his – I love his quips. You know, I love the self-awareness, um, the, you know, the meta jokes, stuff like that. That's very Joss. That, and it was full-on geekisms to the max. They incorporated – everything they could from Hulk, Captain America, and Iron Man, and Thor references into it. And so God bless them for you know, being that good uh, with it as well. So To get all the geek references, which you probably got more of those than I did. Like, what was the Thor reference? Well, you know, talking about the uh, uh, Asgardian Mussolini and referring to uh, Loki, and oh, right. Maria Hill uh, and Ward talking about Thor at the beginning as well. And so okay, said, that's right. Please, have you seen his arms? You know, that was... <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. That was good. I like that. <laughs> I thought you would have remembered that, you know. I did. I was focused on the arms. I forgot it was... That's right. Okay. I forgot about that Thor reference. That was a good one. <laughs> so, now the the only character that I had in issue with was the villainous doctor not because um, one simple reason she looked too young to be the evil scientist doctor juicing people up uh, it's just normally to be a doctor and to you know have that title you've gone through a lot of school and she looked very youthful uh, to have that well maybe their evil powers keeping her youthful because let's face it if I had eaten evil medical powers, the first thing I would do would be make sure <laughs> that I stay young looking. Forget everything else. You do that first. Then you turn to other things. Okay, she could be 70. I mean, like, she could be some evil Nazi that, you know, that's from AIM and the Red Skull era. I mean, like, we, we could be looking at that, so. Exactly. But when, when they did the reveal, my reaction was like, she's a little young. But see, I kind of like that, and that's a jaw thing, right, where you don't think of, like, the young, cute girl as the vampire slayer, obviously, and Buffy the vampire slayer, or maybe even the big bad, you know. So I kind of like that. Of course, I wasn't convinced at the end of the day that she was the big bad at all. That You know, I did see her as just very much a henchman. Um, maybe they did find some young doctor who was willing to, you know, didn't have, wasn't having good luck with her career, and so she's willing to throw ethics and the Hippocratic oath out the window, um, you know, to try and get some business. Yeah, as, and making explosive people, because that, there are no legal ramifications in doing unlicensed human experimentation that results in people exploding. She <laughs> lose her board standing every place for that. I would assume by the time those are the doctors are working with the evil people, they're not too worried about whether they're, you know, licensed and in good standing with the uh, state bar. Oh, it's very always from board. Brazil at that point. You know, they, they've crossed so many lines that... And again, she could be a doctor from like Argentina. Uh, That's true. Buenos Aires, and you know, and does she have an accent? I don't remember an accent. No, she doesn't. She she seemed very you know white girl Southern California. So like that was my really that was my flying cars superpowers. I was cool with everything. The doctor's like she's a little young. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. I gotta say, 
Nothing wrong with that. I would buy her a drink. I would talk to her. But you I would steal any state secrets you had. Damn right. But I would. Uh, <laughs> I thought she was a little young to be the. It's like you're a doctor. And where's the grown-ups? So that, that evil be, powers, evil Botox. That was the first thing she did. Was evil Botox. Possibly, possibly. So I, I saw legal issues just like right out of the gate because we had. You know, in the old comic books, which, you know, I do have a bunch, and so this is... Look at you. This one's from 66, and I got it in, you know, the, the late 80s, and we had, um, you know, in like 89, 90, we had a new Nick Fury and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, line that came out, and I, these are originals. I, I spent, you know, an hour going through the six boxes of comic books I have to find them. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and In case what? anyone was wondering if Josh was a geek, there's proof. <laughs> yeah. And so I, and I was thinking about this. It's like, okay, so when you had the original Mission of S.H.I.E.L.D., because in the comic books it's changed a couple times. You, know, you, have the, you have the Cold War S.H.I.E.L.D., and then in 88 we had, you know, Nick Fury vs. S.H.I.E.L.D. And so this is a trade paperback, and I picked it up on Wednesday. Um, and I have the originals. And so I was looking for them, you know, with the set, because it turned out in 1988, apparently S.H.I.E.L.D. was actually spun out from HYDRA, and there were all these secrets and lies and all these problems. And so that's why we had Nick Fury as an ex-agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and a big fight in the space station and them trying to extract the Infinity Serum from him. And that leads to S.H.I.E.L.D. being reformed after that with a new acronym. So... I couldn't find them. And I went to the comic book store, you know, Wednesday morning after S.H.I.E.L.D. premiered. And I was a little bummed. It's like, oh, I don't know if that ever came out on trade paperback. New on the stands on Wednesday. The one I couldn't find in the six boxes of the comic book, so it could be lost to time. I was just like, wow, that seems rather convenient. I didn't know that they literally were going to republish it as a trade paperback literally the next day. So Wow. That was cool. So, and I still remember key parts of the plot from 1988, so. Impressive. Geekdom. I, I didn't talk to many girls back then. Um, <laughs> I know, I time. think, what was I doing in 88? I was a geek, but I was obsessed with boys. They weren't that obsessed with me in 88, but I was already pretty obsessed with them. Yeah, uh, I spent a lot of time reading and studying. That's, that's how I was, so there you go. <laughs> So the shield issues. So you know we have we go from super spies to law enforcement, and in the show they seem to be both, because we have Ward running around France, tracking down alien technology, which means right. have the U.S. government operating in France. So what kind of we could ignore the French and just go after somebody if Shield wanted to. Um, that'd be kind of impolite for a U.S. Uh, agency to be operating in a foreign country without permission, just going in and taking care of business. Um, the French would frown upon that. So there could have been some agreement or not, but that was never really answered. No. And we prohibit the CIA from operating in the United States. However, if S.H.I.E.L.D. is a spy agency operating in the United States and the fictional Marvel Universe, that creates all kinds of weird conundrums. 
or if they are a military organization because they do have a flying aircraft carrier, we then get posse comitatus with, That's right. with them operating in the United States itself. So you have all these weird legal issues uh, just, just right out of the gate. And uh, to be fair to the writers and the producers, they don't hang out with us, and I'd be cool with that. <laughs> you could, you could, John, I want to be the legal consultant for this show. You know, I'd be totally happy that we could hang out, have grill some burgers, talk about these things, and you guys can just, like, plug those into little, you know, plot fillers so all the lawyers watching or guys who actually work for the FBI and the CIA and NSA, because they're probably watching, too, because they do have geeks over there, and they yeah, need, they need an escape too. So just throw them a bone. Throw all of us a so, bone. So in other words, while they're running after the bad guy, they should be saying, you know, technically under the law, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> there are better ways to do it than that. You know, they could just no. Maybe we should leave this to the local police. They seem well equipped to handle this big bad who's blowing up people with this new extremist. You could just say our attorney got a warrant from the FISA court. I mean, just little things like that, and that would be good. <laughs> Just, just, that wouldn't float on the plot at all. <laughs> just, 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 just drop that in, you know, and it's like, don't worry, we have a warrant, you know. Anything like that, you know. Cop shows are able to do that sort of thing. Just play some lip service to the Constitution. That's, that's all I'm asking. Maybe you should put a disclaimer. Instead of, like, the whole parental, you know, warning, you know, children shouldn't watch this violence or whatever, they're like, Warning, you know, our lawyers made us do this. We are, all of our plot lines violate greatly the Constitution. Please do not think that there are government agents out there doing this. Because there probably are some people who are like, see, this is why you can't trust the government. <laughs> the tinfoil hats come out because they're now terrified that, it's like, well, oh, on the shield, they were just monitoring everybody's email. Like, that would happen, you know, so... <laughs> Radio talk show hosts start making up points based on the latest episode of Shield and what the government can or can't do. Yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're, it was like you know Shark Week kicking off with that fake shark story about megalodon. You know, because people are like, yeah. oh yeah, it must be real. It's like, dude, it was, well, it was Discovery, so they, they, yeah, it was horrible. But yeah, uh, help us educate. <laughs> so, so we're operating in France. There is a reference that uh, that is made about an unregistered gifted. So when they're talking about going after Michael, so right. that would imply gun. I will call him gun. That would imply that the federal government passed a law that if you have superpowers, you have to get registered. So that makes it sound like we are living in the Civil War esque universe that Congress enacted a law to register superhuman powers. Which, if that actually were the case in real life, I'm pretty sure the federal and state governments would be doing that. Because if you could have people who could blow up a building, you might want to know about them. Might want them on a TSA watch list before they board a plane or something, you know? Oh, you're explosive? You don't get to fly. <laughs> Sorry, dude. We'll get you a train. Um, see, I took the unregistered gifted to mean that, like, it's kind of more NSA, and I saw something today, I haven't read it yet, but they're, like, social media webs and all this, but more that the S.H.I.E.L.D. has their own personal list kind of thing, as opposed to making people register, but they're like, we have a list. He wasn't on our list. We thought we'd identified everyone, and here's a new one. So kind of like with Buffy and the potentials, you know, where they were going out trying to identify the potentials. See, I don't view our government as quite as nefarious as you do. Uh, and, and I do concede that that could be it, that they could have been a 
Well, just a statement of shield was maintaining a list. That is certainly right. possible. But it, I read that as force of law because there's just supposed to be a law enforcement agency <laughs> going around doing this. So, oh, see, we are both geeks and we are both lawyers, but I'm more willing to do the whole willing suspension of disbelief when it comes to spy and action shows and be like, yeah, the law, the law doesn't apply here. It's like the Wild West. It's like an old cowboy movie. I can't turn it off. I mean, I still love it and enjoy it, but I then analyze it because I'm a Virgo, favorite color to know, <laughs> and you know, that's what I do. I analyze this stuff because that's what I am. So we then look at Sky's comment about, like, you know, get in front of it, and which, again, sounds very Civil War-esque with um, go public with your secret identity type of thing, eliminate your secret identity and say, like, hey, you know, here I am. And I initially was wondering if, you know, if this was going to be like Luke Cage and Heroes for Hire type of world. Because they, yeah. they did have power brokers. Um, and I remember that in the uh, Power Man and Iron Fist uh, comic series in the 80s that, you know, there were these power brokers that you could go get superpowers from. So I wasn't sure if they were going that direction or not with it. And I must be totally geeking out a lot of people right now because I'm drawing on, you know, comic book knowledge that I grew up with. I know that is very obscure references. I'm like, wow, okay. But I get the idea, interesting idea. This is full on. We should have put a warning up front. Warning, this one is going to be full on geek. We're going to try trying her best to keep up. Full geek, baby. Full geek. <laughs> so, you know, now granted, when Sky said, I live in a van, I immediately thought of the Chris Farley skit from Saturday Night Live. And I don't know if that was... Yeah, the motivational speaker. I don't know if that was intentional, but it made me chuckle. And if that's what you guys were planning, God bless you. That was awesome. It would be. That would be a good plan. By the way, Chris Farley, very sad, of course. He's from Madison, Wisconsin. I did not know that. Woo-hoo. Um, great guy and just tragic, tragic life. Very um, sad. But yeah. down, yeah, living in a van down by the river was the best motivational speech ever. Yes, it was. So we then had uh, issues with security breach. You know, and never mind the HR issue of Coulson injecting Ward with the truth serum. Which was awesome. And yeah, great, I mean, great scene. Just a wonderful scene and trying to endure Sky's trust. But it's like, here's the hacker who goes out blogging a lot who will hack into your system. And you just juiced him in front of her to, you know, give the truth serum. So... Well, well done. Well done. Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I say Ward's a little bit annoying. Hopefully he'll grow on me. I'm not a fan of Ward yet. He's the one character I really don't. I love everyone else. Fitzsimmons, May, um, Sky, obviously Colson. I mean, how can you not love Jennifer Gray's husband? Um, or, as I always think of him as the ex-husband, who am I going to name? Dumbass. But um, from New Adventures of Old Christine, so where I loved him so much. But... I did not watch that, so I cannot. Well, I don't think you're really the target demographic for that, but I adore that show just as I adore Julia Louis-Dreyfus, um, who had a great acceptance speech at the Emmys uh, just, what, a week ago. But, um, but yeah, I love him. Did you know that that was Jennifer Grey's husband, Clark Gregg? I did not, but yep. I would give him a high five. Well done, dude. <laughs> well done. Um, she's like the wind. So. Oh, very nice. And I was, that was quick on my feet. No we did not prepare that, people. No, no, I am that good. Um, yeah, God bless him. So 
we then have an issue, you know, this is not exclusively federal because when, you know, Mike goes on his little rampage uh, and we have battery and attempted murder, those are all state issues. Mm-hmm. And so for the feds to take them into custody and, and to help them, we do need to look at the, either the DA not pressing charges down there or the governor of California pardoning him. Uh, or you could go for a really good um, insanity defense because that would be, you know, the primary. That would be a good one. That would be a good one if tried. But going for the clear pardon of like, dude, look, the arm thing, it was just, it, you know, that would let's give him a free pass because we want to experiment on them now. So, um, yeah. uh, I really hope he comes back because I like Gunn. Um, and so it would be very nice to see him back. So I was very excited when he was like the first person basically on screen and, uh, Hopefully, at some point, they'll bring him back either for a recurring role or maybe a permanent role. That would be nice. They have a lot of possibilities. They, there's tons of character development to be done. Yes. And so they've hinted the backstories to everybody. Which is what Joss does, and that's awesome. And you have to know that it's, yeah, the long arc you got to watch and, you know, which, of course, is a problem. That's what did in Alias and other shows. Is now they're like, no, it has to be, you know, episodic kind of thing. It's got to be the law and order story. You can pretty much see everything you need to know in one episode. And this whole, viewers don't have the patience to go a whole season or multiple seasons to get answers. But hopefully for Joss Whedon and S.H.I.E.L.D., they won't change that. People can go a season, but when you start crossing seasons and going in a completely different direction, it's like in one of the season finales of Alias where, you know, she's – driving with her, you know, husband, and he reveals that he's been, like, a triple agent, and they get into the car accident. I was like, I was done at that point. It's like, really? That seems to be grasping at this point, that you needed a completely new spin. So, people... Yeah, I know. That was annoying. Oh, man, when they got hit by that car, that was a shocker. Yeah, Aliens just had a hard time at the end because they were trying to give viewers, and I think CBS kept saying, okay, we're going to keep you on the air if you do this. JJ obviously didn't have as much power yet as he did now, and obviously, as much as I love JJ and I love Alias, wrapping things up with a good ending is is hard. Um, so, yeah, I won't say anything more because I love JJ and I love Alias. I love Spy Mommy and Spy Daddy, and I want them to come back. I understand where you were coming from. <laughs> Spy Mommy and Spy Daddy could be on S.H.I.E.L.D. So, they have... <laughs> let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> They, they have all kinds of options for what they could do with other Marvel characters that are second tier to introduce. I don't know if they will or not. I mean, this could be, you know, you could do something with, a, I mentioned Iron Fist earlier. You know, there's a good second tier that you could do that would never be in a standalone movie that probably wouldn't, um, even though he was in the new Avengers and quite important, uh, I don't know if they would actually do that with him, but that TV could be a good place for some of those um, lesser known. I mean, I would avoid Moon Knight and, and some of those characters, but they are, see the way you're shaking your head and you're looking confused, you're going, yes, the strange man talking about. I know, I'm like, Moon Knight, that sounds like something from like My Little Pony or something. No, no, introduced in the late 80s, we're all white, power's tied to the moon, so as the moon was uh, cool, he was stronger, and yes, as the moon. Yes, that kind of sucks, that's a pretty feeble power. 
Yeah, that's it was you know think think Batman esque, but you know wearing all white. So all right, all right. Um, okay. Speaking of secondary characters that they could introduce, my appeal, you had your legal appeal to um, Joss Whedon and Jed, and yes, I forget the wife's name. Um, my appeal instead is that they can take this opportunity to combine the Marvel multiverse and the Buffyverse and bring the two together, because Buffy and her people could totally like exist in this world of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, Buffy basically is a superhero, um, and true, you don't have Buffy, but you bring in Xander who's now like super soldier because if I forget what part now it has been a while and I haven't read all the comics so I am behind on my Buffy verse but I would love to see Xander back on TV um, and he would actually fit very well of course he's almost like very Agent Coulson like I guess where he's the good guy with the good quips and very cool but still he's awesome so that's going to be my appeal is combine those two verses for the best verse ever um, and bring back Xander in particular I would love that forever I'm a purist, so growing up, I did not let my G.I. Joes play with my Transformers. Oh, my God. No other toy integrated with He-Man. Those were all by themselves. Oh, my God. And so I, I, I have a fundamental problem with that. I mean, I just, that, that, no. No. That, that's like, you know, orange juice and the Cheerios. I, I do not believe in that. I, Josh, when I'm telling someone to loosen up, that's a pretty scary thing. And I'm telling you, you need to loosen up. <laughs> Jessica, look, the bow tie, the iPad, Thor's hammer. You know, I, you know, I'm committed to cause. And, you know, you don't see me wearing one of my green lantern rings right now or the flash ring that I have because we're talking Marvel. And that's you draw the line. You keep... So even Marvel versus DC Comics had to be separate. They, they, I do in the boxes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm the anal retentive Virgo. That's how I roll. So wow. Yeah. All right, and we are now getting way off topic. But so I think. Oh, go ahead. I just. All right. I would. I would think my plea to them would be, this would be a good way to introduce and basically field test some of the female superheroes who are out there, like Miss yeah. Marvel, who becomes Captain Marvel after, since Captain Marvel died in the early 80s. But you could bring in some of those characters and go, who does the audience like? And if it's well-received, give her a big picture. And so that would be my way of, um, even though Marvel's doing a better job than DC. I mean, Marvel's making a movie with a talking raccoon and DC is concerned about doing a movie about Wonder Woman, and uh, I, which shouldn't be hard. But no. if they're going, which which way do we go? Because it'd be nice to have a female superhero with a standalone movie. And I think you know there was a great article on IO9 about Captain. I was just going to say that that was a great article. About, yeah, the seven things you could do and talk about. Because there was another article a while ago too talking about you know the action movies that have done quite well with women, and then there was um. I forget what they call them, but kind of Resident Evil, those sort of, you know, movies that have done well with women. And so, yeah, so this whole thing of, oh, we can't make a superhero movie with a woman is total crap. Obviously, Joss Whedon at one point did, you know, write a script for Wonder Woman. Um, I guess now he's solely in the Marvel Universe, so I don't know if he would, I don't know if DC would be okay with that. But, oh, I mean, Joss and Wonder Woman, well, and Lauren Gilmore, or Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls, as I've said several times, would have been my ideal triumvirate for uh Wonder Woman. I'm still sad about that. But good point, Josh. Look at that. Way to go. See, ladies, he's a feminist on top of being a stud with an eye patch. 
I confuse a lot of people when they find that out because <laughs> they're not expecting it. But the loss, you know, that could be a you know, field tester there because that could mm-hmm. easily then migrate to the Avengers if people like her. And yeah. There are a few others that could fit in there. There's the prior Captain Marvel who turned into energy, who was after the pre-Captain Marvel died. They're, they've had a couple Captain Marvels in the Marvel Universe for some odd reason, um, uh, which more on that later. But we'll see. But I would, I would do that. I would, I would test, you know, if you wanted, I don't know if She-Hulk would be appropriate, but, you know, there are a couple that they could look at and have some fun with. All right. Well, cool. Well, Josh, you are definitely the expert in this area. I have to say, um, you that point was made obvious the other night when I pointed out that I thought Shields was ripping off Back to the Future with doing the whole flying car thing. I mean, even with like floating up, I mean, I was like, oh my God, this is Doc all over again. Roads where we're going, we don't need roads. And in fact, Back to the Future presumably was doing an homage, I will say, instead of ripping off um, Colonel Fury in the first place, right? Yeah, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. did have flying cars, I, I think, from the beginning. You know, and I was looking through whatever ones I had from the 60s and 70s. And, you know, the Godzilla series, they did have flying things because they had a special helicopter to go follow, uh, helicarrier to go follow Godzilla. That Dum Dum Duncan and others were, you know, Fury didn't appear in that one, but S.H.I.E.L.D. was constantly fighting Godzilla. Uh, they had the flying stuff in there, but I didn't see a car in the issues that I had. Uh, the 60s issues of S.H.I.E.L.D., I, I'm positive he had one in there. Positive. But I just haven't found it. Uh, and during the 80s, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And when we look at Sharon Carter, uh, you know, in modern day, they, they've had flying cars with her and, and everything. Who would be Peggy Carter's granddaughter? And so, ah. And there's talk. Uh, I don't know if you saw this article about Agent Carter getting a period-based show. I have seen. IO9's been talking a lot about her. I haven't watched that short with her yet. I need to. I haven't picked up the Iron Man Blu-ray, but I am. I saw, you know, like the 30-second clip of it. It looked good. She was great in Captain America, and I, I hope to God they could you know, bring that to the small screen. It'd be nice to actually have kind of the Cold War era spy show. Yeah, that would be fun. It would be a lot of fun, and they could have all the gadgets that Shield or, or Proto Shield, if they had since uh, Howard Stark helped uh, start them uh, in fighting. Now, the other thing that I don't know if they'll go there or not, but in the comics, you know, Fury had the Infinity Serum because that's how he was very slowly aging, and so he's a World War II era hero. And in right. the comics, he's still the World War II era, you know, hero who's known every president since FDR. Wow. So, will they do that in the movies and, by extension, the TV show? And that would be kind of fun if they actually mentioned that. I was wondering if in Captain America, he wasn't going to make an appearance as, you know, you know, the young Nick Fury fighting with Cap. Against yeah, them. and they, they didn't go there, and I was kind of bummed by that. Oh, so. but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, he could be he could be six. I, I don't think they'll get rid of the Infinity Serum because we do know he knew Har- Howard Stark, and he knew him. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I need to go read some Shield comic books. 
You got well that, and these are also references from the Iron Man movies, um, as well as specifically Iron Man Two. Yeah. Ah, see, that was my least favorite, so I probably didn't pay enough attention to that. I finally saw Iron Man 3 just a couple weeks ago, and that was, I liked that a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. So. It was good. It was good. I still think one was best, obviously, but yeah. Well, with that, you can expect us to blog and talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. more. Like, with flying cars, you need to be at least a 1,000 feet off the ground. So. <laughs> I looked up the FAA regs, so... I was going to look up Department of Transportation rules and EPA requirements, and uh, yes, FAA would be involved. Oh, my. I looked up the FAR, yeah. I mean, I took flight lessons before I could drive a car, so, you know, I did... I, I know this stuff. So, look at this, ladies. Seriously, how can you resist this man? <laughs> so with that... America, stay geeky. Stay geeky, America. Bye, Josh. Keep the eye patch. I will have two eyes with the next one. <laughs>